<clears throat> so, uh, earlier this week, uh, I was really uh, blessed. Last week, I don't know if I told you, I, I know those that uh, were here on Wednesday, I told you a little about, about what happened on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, perhaps did I tell you on Sunday that I had been asked to speak um, at the uh, Pastors and Wives Retreat that we were having in Indian Wells? Perhaps I did. Did I share that with you? No? It was my secret. Now it's out. Okay. Um, I was asked last week, so it was like Thursday, um, to uh, speak at the Regional Pastors and Wives Retreat um, in one of the main sessions. So I was asked to, to teach. And, and so it was, um, so I, I received a call on, I believe it was Thursday, from Calvary Chapel, Chino uh, Valley. And, um, and I was told, you know, on behalf of Pastor David Rosales, we want to know if you would be willing to speak at one of the main sessions, Tuesday morning to be specific. And um, I, um, of course, you know, I was, I was surprised, number one. <laughs> I was thinking um, that maybe they got the wrong number uh, is what I was thinking. And, uh, and so after a brief pause, I did, you know, of course, you know, of course, you know, it's an honor. It's a privilege to, to do so. So I, um, I ended up speaking Tuesday morning. And I was, of course, praying and asking the Lord to uh, give me something to pass along to my, my fellow brothers and those who were serving in the senior pastor role and their wives. And um, so the Lord did give me something out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, which I'm going to share a little bit with you this morning because I think it's very applicable and very fitting, um, especially to the text that we're looking at this morning. It's a, a part three, um, of, and we'll, we'll finish out this chapter in uh, the, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, but it, it's a word of encouragement, and um, you know, it's something that I believe we should all um, you know, hear from time to time how it is that we're never justified in, uh, in quitting or, or pulling our hand back uh, from living the Christian life in a way that's glorifying to the Lord, regardless of the circumstances and difficulties that we're facing in life. Uh, we should bear down even that much more and continue to move forward and uh, to, the, to the glory of the Lord and forgetting that which is behind us because it's not even worth mentioning uh, when we take into regards the glory that awaits us in Jesus Christ. And so we ask him to give us strength in the midst of those trials and know that he is our strength and uh, in his grace uh, is inexhaustible and will pull us through. And so um, we, we went, my wife and I, and we enjoyed that fellowship with, with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And <clears throat> it was funny because um, how many of you know who Pastor David Rosales is? Okay, most of you. All right. So for me, I find it, um, you know, I, he's a man that I respect, and he's, uh, he's a man that I, I even uh, look to. Uh, he, to me, is my pastor, a man who I will take counsel from, a man who I will go to if, if there's anything um, that I need to ask as far as the ministry is concerned. And he is always available. And he's willing to, to give me feedback and, and direction. And so for me, as, as he probably has for many of you, um, so for me, as he um, introduced me and sat down, 
I can tell you that um, I, I felt a bit nervous and intimidated because he was sitting like right there. And so what he shared with me and, and, and he told everyone, he says, I will be taking notes. And if you say anything that is not right, I'm going to make sure to uh, make a little account of that and make sure to not ever invite you back to speak again. And so he was very encouraging. Yeah, so no pressure. Just go ahead and go up there and say what, what it is that's on your heart. So here's the thing is that, um, praise, praise God, I, I wasn't overwhelmed with no anxiety, right? Do not be anxious about it. I wasn't anxious. Again, I, I took it very seriously, and I felt a great responsibility to pass along that which would be encouraging to others, as I always do. And, and thank God that that's exactly what he does week in and week out, Sundays and Wednesdays, and any time that he has me perform as his mouthpiece, and that's all it is, um, to, to be God's mouthpiece, to, to pass along whatever it is that he has for you. And so I am always humbled. I'm always uh, finding that it's a privilege uh, to just simply be used as an instrument of the Lord. And I pray that this instrument would be um, completely surrendered and uh, and willing to completely give you the whole counsel of God, that you may be built up and ready and strengthened for the work of the ministry, to bless the Lord and live your lives in such a way that is honoring to the Lord. That's my whole prayer. Amen? So with that, please open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. This is again part 3 of 3 in this chapter. And we're going to be covering verses 19 through 30. Verses 19 through 30. We're going to take a look at the lives of three men, really two specifically. But if you consider the one who is writing this letter, we have three that is Timothy, Epaphroditus, and we have the Apostle Paul. So let's begin uh, reading. The title of this morning's message is Servant Warriors. Servant Warriors. Verse 19 of chapter 2 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but all on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we again want to commit this time into your hands, Lord. 
We ask that uh, you would give us understanding. Lord, help us understand what it means to be servant warriors. Lord, we are truly yours, given to you, submitted to you, knowing that you lead us and guide us in the truth. Help us to live as living sacrifices and at the same time demonstrate a strength, a humble strength, because we follow you and we live for your glory. Help us to understand what it means to be servant warriors under your leading, under your guidance, under your command. All to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men like Timothy and Epaphrodites are rare. They're not common. These are servant warriors who risked their life for the sake of completing their mission in Christ. That was their whole mindset. That was their whole focus. I want nothing less than to make sure that I have completed that which was entrusted to me as a good steward of the very Word of God. A life that would be glorifying and honoring to the one who has given me my marching orders. Whatever it may be. These were men, of, as I have described before, men of steel and velvet. Servant warriors who had the heart of a lion and the spirit of the lamb. As I shared with everyone on Tuesday morning, I, I, I want to share with you a little bit because it'll, it'll make sense as we put all of this in perspective. i give you a little bit of my t- testimony as well. I know you've heard bits and pieces, and this is still even more bits and pieces. You can start putting them all together, and you'll get my whole story. But I think it's fitting today, as we honor those who have fallen, to tell you a little bit about my military background as well in my upbringing. You see, I was your typical sailor in all manner of life. This is B.C., and I want to make sure you understand this is before Christ. And so you understand what I'm saying when I tell you that I was your typical sailor in all manner of life. I completely removed myself from civilian life and immersed myself in the service to my country in the U.S. Navy. Boot camp gave me a new perspective of life. It gave me purpose, strength, and it gave me direction, of which I had none up to that point. I was, you could say, just reckless and out there doing whatever it was that I wanted. But it wasn't until I went through dive school at the amphibious base in Little Creek, Virginia, that I was exposed to men who were of a different caliber. Men from uh, special warfare, EOD, hard hat divers or deep sea divers, and SEALs. They were disciplined, fit, and confident to a level that far exceeded the sailors outside of the special warfare community. There was something beautiful and appealing about the heart and spirit of these men I now find my, found myself among. I learned to trust in how to be trusted, to work as a team in order to fulfill the assignments given. I learned to follow orders and to serve those above me. But I also learned to face adversity and setbacks and tough situations and fight through them. Improvise. Adapt. Overcome. It was one of those mottos that kept me going in difficult times, trusting in what I had been trained in. There's another one that we sung 
as we marched, as we ran and sung cadence. Mud, sweat, and pain. Deep sea trained. It's another one that reminded me that a life of value and purpose doesn't come without challenges and setbacks. You know, that's one of the things that I learned as I went through all of this training. I am forever grateful for God's grace for allowing me to enlist and go through this rigorous training. Because it taught me that life always comes, uh, involves setbacks, difficulties, challenges. But you never quit. I know I've said this before, you never quit. That's one thing I learned. I remember going through, uh, I would just say, Pull Week, and better known as Hell Week, and going through, and at one point deciding that I was never going to give up, even if it cost me my life. Uh, if others can go through this training, I certainly can go through this training. And by the way, if I did lose consciousness, if I did perhaps lose my breath in my heartbeat, I know some of these instructors have to be CPR trained and they can bring me back to life. But I learned you never quit. Winners never quit. And so that was ingrained in my mind, in my heart. You never quit, come what may. As painful as that may, it may be, you just never quit, never give up. I was encouraged by my proctor before we even classed up uh, to not quit. Don't do it. It's not worth it. The pain is worth it, but continue to move forward. And it was while I was in the Navy that I met a man who had great confidence and strength. He was a fellow diver, and he was also humble, though, and caring. He was tough and yet kind and selfless. He was a sincere man, a man who went above and beyond in everything that he did. He possessed all of these qualities. A fellow diver who was well-respected but wasn't like the rest of us. That is foul mouth and you can say unrefined in many ways. Perverse. A perverse man. He wasn't like that. Not at all. I will forever be grateful for and I will mention his name over and over. His name and I honor him even today. Mike Lucas. He was the man I approached and asked what set him apart, and he told me it was Jesus. And over the course of six months, showed me who Jesus was. He explained to me. He, he told me all about him, and he led me to Christ. You see, I thought I had met a band of brothers that I was going to be a part of for the rest of my life. I thought, this is it. Men of strength and purpose. But then I was exposed to other men who had a greater purpose. Leading others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and discipling them in Christ to the glory of God. We have those among us. Who are completely given to that. I want to be a band of those brothers. It was when I came to Christ that I saw the heart and spirit of servant warriors. Men who have the heart of a lion and the spirit of the lamb. It was interesting. Oh, they were, they were tough as nails. And yet, at the same time, they were gentle in spirit. What an attractive combination. 
Their purpose, one and one alone, the glory of God. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As Christians, we are servants, but we are never to forget that we are also enlisted as soldiers of Christ. And he is the commander in chief. We ought to be servant warriors who have the heart of a lion and the spirit of the lamb. Paul, Timothy, Epaphrodites were servant warriors. I'm encouraged by the letters that Paul wrote. You see, Paul never discouraged, nor did he justify Timothy to quit, even though he knew what he would go through, what he had endured. He knew the work of serving Christ would be beyond tough. It would be self-sacrificing. Sometimes, and it could be, even tortuous. Paul did the same for Epaphrodites. And as for Paul, well, I have always considered him to be the bulldog of Christianity. When everyone else would quit, he would keep going. He was beaten and left for dead, and he went back to the same city. I mean, this was a man who never gave up, never pulled back, nor bowed down, no matter who was before him. And he said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Nothing was holding him back from giving everything to the ministry of spreading the gospel and discipling others in their faith. And it would do you well to pay close attention to the example of these two men that we're about to take a look at. That we have before us this morning. Because whether you're young or old, I, I, I look back and I think, man... If I were to have heard this when I was young, young, and heard how these men were men, you know what I mean? Like, this is a man. And we have a lot of examples around us and in the world, and and most of them are not men. They're, They're little boys in adult bodies. They're more interested in themselves than anyone else. They're unwilling to sacrifice even one moment for anyone else. It's all about themselves. That's not a man. That's a boy. That boy that is whatever age needs to learn to grow up. And that's why I love going through these stories and learning what real men look like. This is a man right here. And so whether you're young or old, whether you're a man or a woman, these are men worth emulating to the glory of Christ. Two characteristics of servant warriors. Number one, possess a proven worth. Number two, complete what is lacking. We're going to see both of those things in both Timothy and Epaphrodites. Number one, possess a proven worth. Verse 19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have 
no one like him. Who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare? For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father he has served with me in the gospel. A proven worth. Paul's hope was in the Lord to send Timothy to the church in Philippi soon. He said, that's what I want to do. I want to send him to you very soon. Paul wanted to send someone who would care for them selflessly and sacrificially and then bring an encouraging word back to Paul. And so he was going to send his best. He was going to send Timothy. Paul expected to hear good things of the Philippians, unlike the Corinthians. The Philippians were a source of encouragement in the way they were conducting themselves as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's always encouraging. You know, to receive word back from a body of believers that they are conducting themselves in a manner that is truly fitting of the one they profess to follow, Jesus Christ. That's encouraging. And so Paul expected to hear good things. And soon he would send Timothy to go gather a report and give him the status of the church in Philippi. But Paul knew he was not sending an ordinary man, but an extraordinary one who has the heart of a pastor, a true shepherd of the people, whose main concern was the people and not himself. The people, it wasn't himself. He wasn't interested in himself. He was interested in the people. He was tried, tested, and found to be true. He had a genuine concern for others. And folks, unfortunately, this is rare. This is truly rare. For I have no one like him is the way in which the Apostle Paul described Timothy. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. No one compared to Timothy when it came to serving others. No one compared to him. I have no one like him. Timothy was entrusted with pastoring the church in Ephesus. We know that, which, is, which was no small task, knowing that he would need to contend for the faith against false teachers, discipline, uh, dis- discipling others, and selecting and training leaders, overseers within the church to do the work of the ministry. And so much more. If you read through Paul's letter to Timothy, you will see all, all, all of that and much more. Paul had told Timothy that some would even depart from the faith. You imagine that? Hey, listen. You're going to go and it's them, their welfare that you have to have at, at the center of your work. Uh, the glory of Jesus Christ, but you're, you're going to have to give to them sacrificially. And some of those that you give to will depart from the faith. There is hardly anything that breaks the heart of a pastor more than someone falling away. And that's what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. This is going to happen. Just stand by Some are going to abandon their faith and some are even going to, even though they served with you, they're going to talk about you. So he told them, quit. 
Make sure you don't keep going. Just stop what you're doing. It's too painful. No, he didn't tell him that. He told him to teach and serve anyway. Because the grace of Christ is what strengthens him. And the grace of Christ is inexhaustible. He told him in 2 Timothy 2.2 to teach and pass along to others what he's been taught. And he told him to continue even in the face of suffering. In fact, in 2 Timothy, uh, up to verse 4, he mentions it three times, the word suffering, that he would suffer. And yet he told him to keep going. These are are servant warriors. I, I shared it the other day at, at the conference, I, I've never heard, even though every month we go to these monthly pastors' uh, meetings with David Rosales, and I have never heard from another pastor, even though we share some things with each other, I've never heard another pastor tell someone else, you know what, that, wow. We may have said, wow, but we've never said, you know what, you should quit. That's just too much. Never heard that. It's more of keep going. The Lord is with you. He's your strength. Seek the Lord. Make sure that you desire and pursue His wisdom, His discernment, His humility, His kindness, and express His grace toward others. Bless Him. Teach and serve anyway. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Just some encouraging words that the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, training him up and giving him these words so that he may keep going and know how to respond when he is presented with and faced with difficult moments. Fight the good fight. In other words, he was saying, stay faithful to God no matter what you are faced with and do not get entangled and distracted with the things of the world or problems. Make sure you keep Jesus as a focus of your life and ministry and continue to tell others of Jesus Christ and salvation offered through him alone. To Paul... Timothy possessed a proven worth. Timothy served the Lord sacrificially, selflessly. We can learn a lot from that. Timothy did not serve for self-promotion, but simply for the sake of the well-being and benefit of the church. That was it. Paul had seen it firsthand as Timothy had served with him, and he told him, you know, hey, as a father and son... So was he to me. He was a son in the faith. He is a son in the the faith at that point. And all these things have been demonstrated to me. So for the Apostle Paul, he could say this with great confidence. He had a proven worth. Paul refers to Timothy as a man, as as a son in the faith, a servant of Christ who was rare in how he served. 
There's no one like him, is what he said. And a man who possessed a proven worth in serving Christ. It was proven. He had integrity, spiritual integrity in serving. He just kept going. This was the man that Paul wanted to send to the Philippians and hoped he would follow shortly thereafter. But it was all according to the Lord's will and in his timing. And we, saw, we see this in Paul's writing. As the Lord wills, in his timing, I hope to send him to you. And I hope it's soon. The servant warrior possessed a proven worth. And so we must possess a proven worth. Something that's been tested, tried, and found to be true. Genuine. Number two, complete what is lacking. Verse 25, as we continue, says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And in verse 30, it says, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. I believe God sends men like Timothy and Epaphrodites to lead and encourage the church with genuine love and self-sacrifice and action faith that is deemed risky by most. Not even acknowledged. It is risky by most. The Apostle Paul is telling the Philippians to receive him in the, in the Lord with all joy and to honor such men. Oh, these, these men are gems. They are precious within the church. They serve sacrificially, selflessly, has nothing to do with them. In fact, they serve at their expense. And the Apostle Paul is saying, honor these men. Please honor them. Encourage them to keep going in the faith. Paul thought that it was necessary for the benefit of the church in Philippi to send this man back to them. Verse 25 is an amazing description, a descriptive list of who this man was. Number one, he is identified as Paul's brother. Apostle Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphrodites, my brother. Uh, when you say someone is a brother, it, it speaks of a relationship. I, I know this man, and, and I know him well. In fact, I know him so well that I regard him as family. He's family. I, I know that we use the term very loosely here within the church. It, it's part of the Christianese. If you hang around long enough in the church, you know, you forget someone's name, and you just call him brother, right? Hey, bro. I hope someone says his name. Um, so how you doing, bro? How you been, bro? Right? Yeah, Rawl. Oh, yeah, Rawl. But we, we use it all the time, not realizing it, if we use that term, yeah, brother in Christ, but it, it speaks of a relationship. That's what we need to understand. Take that to heart. It speaks of a relationship, of intimacy, of, of being a, a family. Family member. He also regarded him as a fellow worker. This identifies this man as one who works. 
And if Paul is describing him as a worker, then he is one that has and will get work done, period. He's my fellow brother, but he's a fellow worker as well. Because Paul was a worker. Right? He he's set his hand to do the work of the Lord. And if someone else came along, he called him a brother, but he was, he was telling the Philippians, hey, listen, th- this guy, will, he will get stuff done. So that speaks a lot of Epaphrodites. It's like, hey, he's not afraid of, of rolling up his sleeves and sweating a little, getting work done. All qualities, by the way, that shouldn't be rare within the church. Shouldn't be. He was also considered Paul's fellow soldier. So his brother, a fellow worker, and now his fellow soldier. This identifies this man as one who is able and willing to fight. Epaphroditus is not one to draw away from a battle, not shy away from one. He will confront it, meet it head on. He will engage and fight alongside Paul. And anyone else who is willing to fight. I've said it often and I'll say it often. I love other brothers and sisters who are willing to do that very thing. Just lock arms, march, move forward. Where are we going? That way. Let's go. Let's do it. I, I love that. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. And that's what he considered him, a fellow soldier. He also identified him as the church's messenger and a minister to Paul. You see, when Paul needed to be ministered to, here was this man who was willing to come. He, he was there to bring something to Paul. But he ended up ministering to him in, in a very special way. This man not only went to Paul to bring him a word regarding the church in Philippi, but when he was there, he ministered to Paul's needs. Sometimes we think we're going for one thing to someone else and realize that perhaps the Lord meant us to go to that person for something else. Be flexible. Be willing to do whatever it is that the Lord has for you to do at that very moment for that specific person in that time of need. For he has sent you. The church had sent a report through Epaphrodites and a financial gift and other necessary items. How do we know this? Not from this verse, but from from Philippians 4.18. I have received full payment, as what the Apostle Paul writes, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And so the next verse, the Apostle Paul is saying, may God supply all your needs. And so we know that this is exactly what Epaphroditus was coming to do, and yet he stayed there and just ministered to him. And, and it was all attributed to the Philippians as they sent him to the Apostle Paul. A genuine concern for the distress of the church is what we see in verse 26. Again, it is rare to find someone who is more concerned with the distress of the church than his own well-being. Think about this. This man, Epaphroditus, he fell ill, very ill, to the point of death. And yet he was more concerned about the distress of the church. The distress of the church, yeah. He was concerned because he knew the church was going to be distressed about the fact that he was deathly ill. 
It's, it's a church's heart to where if you have a fellow brother or sister in Christ and you're just distressed, you're just, you're heartbroken. What's going on with our brother? We have received word back that he is deathly ill. The church is praying. And here's Epaphrodites with the Apostle Paul sharing his heart with Paul. Saying, I am deeply concerned for the church back in Philippi. That they're in distress for my well-being. He was indeed so sick that he was close to death. And Paul said that God spared him. Having mercy on him. And was glad because him dying would have made Paul very sorrowful. So personally, so it would have been sorrow upon sorrow. Been a lot, very heavy. But he had mercy. The Lord had mercy on him. He didn't die, and Paul couldn't wait to send him back to them. And the point is this. Ask God to give you a heart so big for your fellowship, your fellow brothers and sisters, that you will be more concerned with their concern for you if you were sick than your sickness. Think about that for a moment. You're you're more concerned about the well-being of your fellow brothers and sisters than you are about yourself. Ask God to give you a heart so big for your fellow brothers and sisters that you long to bless them and serve alongside them and encourage them, even if it means risking things in your life or your very own life. To love them for the sake of glorifying the Lord and not for what you will get out of it. Pastor Chuck went home to be with the Lord. And at that time, he was preparing another message. Another message. I remember seeing video of him, how it was that he he was going up to the pulpit with oxygen, sitting down, delivering yet another message. The majority, well, well, verse 21, I think, covers that very well. Here's the majority. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's the majority. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This is how we ought to be. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence, for Christ. Oh, that last part. Right? Oh, we can sing Kumbaya. But that last part? And yet, as we submit to one another in love, it's out of reverence for Christ. That's what it is. 
the Apostle Paul, as he wrote, writes to the Ephesians, he's, he's telling us how to conduct ourselves. This is how we ought to be within the body of Christ. Everyone else, well, they seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, in verse 30, it says that Epaphrodites nearly died for the work of Christ, risking to complete what was lacking in your service. Ah, that, that's interesting. I thought it was especially telling of the man. Because he was very concerned about their distress about his health while he was completing what they weren't willing to do themselves. You know, you can grow bitter in, in any line of work. Um, going back to my military days, I know that people of the same rank did not perform the same. And they still received the same paycheck. They would, uh, they would do the least possible. And yet, we all had the same mission. We all had the same work before us. Uh, you can grow bitter in that place. Uh, there is a few that are pulling the weight, and everyone else is just kind of skating, kind of falling behind, and they're more weight. They're, they make things cumbersome more difficult. They're not willing to do what the few are willing to do. Well, you can get jaded, you can get bitter, you can get resentful. Let me just share something with you. You can get the same way in ministry. The same way. And I've heard it said, ah, it's the same people serving all the time. It's the same people. Yeah, just, you know what? Just be happy you're serving. Are, are you part of that group? Okay, that's fine. If not, for us, brother, fellow worker, soldier, help them to understand the joy of serving the Lord. Help them. Just realize we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're here to build each other up. Not to tear each other down like the world. The world has taught us that very well. Because Epaphrodites nearly died for the work of Christ, risking to complete what was lacking in their service. That's fine. Of course, we're not content with that. But you know what? Let's keep moving forward. It's always an honor and a privilege to do what the Lord has called us to do and then help others to see how amazing it is to give ourselves to the work of the Lord in a sacrificial way, in a way that is fitting for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people who truly owe the Lord our very lives, now and for eternity. He has delivered us from sin and death. And instead, as we have confessed our sins to Him, and asked him to forgive us through Jesus Christ, we have known a whole new life in the hope of heaven. We owe him everything. Let's show each other what it means to serve him for the rest of our lives. 
He put the work of Christ first, as what Epaphrodites did, and was willing to risk his life in order to complete that which was incomplete, and yet there were no ill feelings, nothing in regards to that, toward his brethren, just the opposite. Think about this, just the opposite. He was concerned about their distress about him and his near-death experience. That was his heart. That's what he was concerned about. Servant warrior. The heart of a lion. And the spirit of the lamb. Think about Christ for a moment. Can you imagine if you were to have considered all of us? If you would have taken that into account as far as our rejection of him. Our sin. If you were him, would you, you have gone to the cross? If you were to behave like the world, would you have gone to the cross? The answer is no. None of us would have. Hardly for a friend. Yet for a stranger and even an enemy, he went to the cross. And we all at one point were his enemies. So, these men are worth emulating as they followed Christ. These men were servant warriors. They fought battles like warriors, but served their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ like self-sacrificing servants. I want to leave you with these verses as we close. Matthew 20, verse 26 says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you, you must be, uh, you must be your servant. Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. John 15, 12, and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These are all, you can say, red letter. The very words of Christ, our Lord. And we know that the Lord demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He laid down his life for us, you and I. We love because he first loved us. So number one, possess a proven worth. Number two, complete what is lacking. Without grumbling, without complaining. Consider others above yourself. And make sure that we are reflecting the love of Christ to others. If you're here this morning and you don't know that love of Christ, you have never been forgiven. I remember hearing that for the first time, understanding it for the first time. That there's nothing that I can do that would really come close to offering him uh, what could bring me into his good graces and accept me into heaven. There's nothing, nothing at all. Why? Because I'm a sinner. <laughs> a sinner, what do I have to offer? Nothing whatsoever. Not to, my, to add to my salvation or to do anything for my salvation. But instead hearing that he's done it all. Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. Died in yours and my place. He offered himself willingly. Because it was the Father's will. He paid our price. Something that he didn't know. He was blameless. He was perfect. He was sinless. That's love. That's perfect love. That's 
the love of God demonstrated to us. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. In the way to salvation, when I heard this, simply, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he went to the cross for you and died for you? Do you believe that he was buried and on the third day resurrected from the grave? Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. And if you confess that with your mouth, then the Bible says you will be saved. Why? Because you're just confessing what you've already come to believe. Declare that to the world. Declare that to everyone. I was overjoyed. And I couldn't wait to tell others. And here I am. Still. Doing that very same thing. So I pray that if you're here and you don't know forgiveness, if you don't know salvation, that today would be the day of salvation. You would just surrender your life to the Lord. You will know a new heart. And you will have new desires. And I can tell you that you will have the hope of heaven. There will be no despondency. Difficulties, yes, but despondency, no. There will not be a loss of hope, in other words. Because we can say with the Apostle Paul to live as Christ and to die as gain. The moment we breathe our last year, we breathe our first in the presence of the Lord in all of his glory. It's a win-win. And so I pray that this morning you would completely surrender your life to the Lord. If you haven't been walking with the Lord... Um, you've walked away. I pray that today would be the day of recommitment. I remember that too. Unfortunately, I can tell you of that too. <laughs> I walked away from the Lord and years later, I, I, came, I came back. I realized I had walked away from him and I remember recommitting my life to the Lord. And from that point on, I have not looked back. And I don't regret a moment. I don't regret that moment. I wish I would have done it earlier, if anything. So I pray if you're in any of those two camps, that today be the day of salvation. For everyone else, be encouraged. Keep going. Have the heart of a lion and the spirit of the lamb. Be a servant warrior. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the examples that we have before us and the encouraging words that come from this, these words that the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned to the church in Philippi. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to teach us, encourage us, build us up, and remind us of the love that you first demonstrated to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, again, that we would be reminded. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then your Bible, the, your word says that we shall be saved. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. May salvation be a part of this day. May recommitment be a part of this day that you would be honored and glorified through your servant warriors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.